0: Please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. One quality of Jesus appears to be that he really walked his talk. But before we get to his walk, I want to talk more about his talk. Last week, I talked about Jesus as a teacher of wisdom, which is a part of the talk he talked. This week, I'm focusing on how Jesus talked the talk of a prophet. We're in the middle of a sermon series exploring who Jesus was. For five weeks, I'm exploring various qualities that we see in Jesus of Nazareth, and also considering how these things shape the impact that Jesus Christ continues to have in the lives of Christians, the impact that Jesus Christ has on you and me. The way I'm approaching this look at Jesus is very much informed by Marcus Borg's book, Meeting Jesus Again for the First Time. One of my hopes for this sermon series is that it will get you thinking and talking about who Jesus is to you because the question of who this Jesus is and the question of what it means to be Christian today is hotly contested in the public arena of American society. In the face of competing or conflicting understandings of Jesus, I want to be able to say who Jesus Christ is to me and why I call myself a follower of Jesus. And I want you to be able to say who Jesus Christ is to you, and why you call yourself a follower of Jesus. Let's look at the ways in which Jesus was a prophet. Today people have a popularized idea of what a prophet is, an idea that a prophet is someone who predicts the future. But that is not the biblical understanding of a prophet. That is not the understanding of a prophet that weaves through the Hebrew scriptures, or that would have been part of how Jesus and the Jewish community of his day understood prophets. The prophets of the Hebrew scriptures offered insightful analysis and commentary on events of their time and on the societies in which they lived. A prophet in the Hebrew scriptures functioned more along the lines of how John Stewart of The Daily Show comments on the events and social dynamics of our world, only a lot less funny. Some of the ways Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren articulates her analysis of current events and political and economic structures reminds me of the role of the Hebrew prophets. The role of a prophet was to speak out about what was going on in the world, to analyze events and social structures. And the biblical role of a prophet was to offer this analysis with a particular bias, The bias of showing how human institutions and actions have strayed from God's purposes for us. And in this way, Jesus too was a prophet, in line with the tradition of prophets in his own religious heritage. Jesus was a prophet and more. As a prophet, Jesus spoke out to describe what he observed in the society he lived in then beyond speaking out with a prophet's analysis and critique jesus also offered some guidance to those who listened to him in light of what he was he saw that was amiss in the world he taught people how to act and live in ways that are faithful to god's purposes ways that respond to the flaws in the social order and even then beyond speaking out as a prophet and beyond teaching his followers how to live he himself walked his talk. The scripture readings today showed examples of Jesus walking his talk. I'll come back to that in a bit. To understand what Jesus the prophet focused his attention on, you have to understand a little bit about what is called purity codes or holiness codes of Jesus' social and cultural context. The Hebrew scriptures outline a detailed system classifying people as well as classifying foods and certain actions and behaviors. The language used in this system of classification is the language of holiness. The intricacies and the implementation of these religious laws created a world with sharp social boundaries. Clear boundaries were drawn between male and female, between Jew and Gentile, between able-bodied and disabled, and that's just to name a few. These ways of categorizing people also had value judgments built into them. Men were better, were more holy than women. Jews were better, were more, more holy than Gentiles, and so on. There's a strong assumption that runs through both the Old and New Testaments that humans are meant to imitate the qualities of God, the creation tells, story tells us that we are created in the image of God. And the dominant first century, Jesus' day, the dominant first century Jewish image of God was that God was holy. And so people ought to be holy. The book of Leviticus instructs the Israelites, be holy as God is holy. When Jesus came along, he taught his followers something else. In Luke's gospel, Jesus says, Be compassionate as God is compassionate. So in Jesus' time, we find two competing models for the faithful life one where holiness is the goal of the faithful life, and another where compassion is the goal of the faithful life. And Jesus advocated for compassion over holiness. One important thing to understand about these visions of holiness and compassion is that neither one was primarily about an individual person's behavior. The value of holiness was reinforced by a complex system of religious and cultural behaviors that impacted people's social standing. The rules of the Holiness Code determined what opportunities were or were not available to a particular person or family or category of people. We're talking about social structures here, not about individual behavior. In this context, compassion then is not about being nice. It's not even about really how one person treats another. It's about social structures. It's about how a community operates. Compassion is a vision Of life in community. The parable of the Good Samaritan illustrates this particularly well. The lesson of the parable isn't only that a person should be willing to help a person in need, the lesson of the parable is that the emphasis on holiness can actually be a barrier to compassion. It was the holiness codes that kept the priest and the Levite from offering help to the man who had been beaten and robbed. They would have tainted their religious purity and their social status by having contact with an injured man, especially if he was a Gentile. The importance of holiness made them turn away from a person in need. But an emphasis on compassion moved the Samaritan to offer help. And Jesus called all his followers to operate from a place of compassion, Challenging the holiness codes of his day and the rules that went along with them doesn't mean that Jesus had lower standards or expectations for his followers. Jesus often raised the bar for his followers, saying things like, you have heard that it was said, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. Or, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. By challenging and at times even violating the holiness codes, Jesus didn't lower his expectations for his followers. But even while holding up a high standard, Jesus offered a different response when people fell short. Jesus spoke out against adultery, but when he's faced with a woman who has committed adultery, Jesus said, let the one who is without sin cast the first stone. And when that challenge provokes all her accusers to leave, Jesus says, has no one condemned you? Neither do I condemn you. Jesus responded with compassion and asks us to do the same. The response of compassion does much more than show some kindness or offer relief to an individual. The response of compassion challenges the social structures and rules that diminish some people while elevating others. As a prophet, Jesus particularly addressed the ones who are elevated by those social structures, Over and over, he speaks words of warning to the scribes and the Pharisees, to priests and Levites, to the rich. All of these people are in positions that perpetuate and benefit from the system of inequality created by the holiness codes. And to them, Jesus says, woe to you. Here's one particularly good example. Woe to you, Jesus says, Scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. The point is that God calls us to justice and mercy and faith. In the Bible, mercy is also translated as compassion. And the social structures of Jesus' day reinforced some of what they understood to be God's teachings, these aspects of holiness. But they neglected more important matters of justice and compassion, and even, Jesus says, faith. So, Jesus the prophet spoke out against the social structures of his day that were reinforced by the religious holiness codes. He offered an alternative by teaching compassion in his parables and in the lessons he provided to a crowd who gathered to express outrage at adultery, all the ways that Jesus taught. And Jesus walked his talk. In our scripture readings for today, we encounter Jesus as he walks his talk. Tax collectors were one category of people who were looked down upon because their occupation violated aspects of the Holiness Code. Yet Jesus ate with tax collectors and even called one to be one of his disciples. And people talked. People were scandalized. In our other scripture reading, Jesus goes to eat at the house of a Pharisee. While he's there, a woman washes and anoints his feet, Jesus' host is appalled and thinks this shows that Jesus doesn't really know what he's doing. Jesus doesn't understand the tarnished character of the woman who is tending to him. But Jesus speaks out to his host, making it clear that not only does he understand exactly who this woman is, but that he welcomes her attention and embraces her intentions, Social structures that put people in categories and diminish some people are not only a thing of Jesus' day, of course. These things are alive and well today. We may not have laws that codify inequality, though some aspects of that are up for question. We may say that equality and fairness are part of our society today, our societal values, and that anything less than that is simply a matter of personal prejudice but statistics tell a different story. Statistics suggest that social categories are still very much structurally reinforced in our society, even if that structural reinforcement isn't overtly intentional or conscious. The categories may be different from the ones in Jesus' day, though some are the same. There are still social expectations and differences in opportunity for men than for women, sometimes for people of different religions. An event like the celebration of Abraham and Davis, which is coming up in two weeks, is still needed to help reinforce the importance of different religious groups coming together to find common ground and provide mutual support. Today we can add structures that differentiate between gay and straight to the list, something that wouldn't have been on Jesus' radar. And there's more. Our uh, Adult Contemporary Issues Forum next week, looking at issues of racial justice, is another approach to these structures and systems that discriminate. And just as in Jesus' own period in history, Jesus today calls us to place a higher value on compassion than on our social categories. Jesus calls us to act out of compassion rather than out of a desire to preserve the status quo or the social order. When we apply compassion to our communal life in tangible ways, it can make a difference today as surely as it did in Jesus' day. So Jesus was a prophet, in line with how a prophet was understood in the traditions of the Hebrew scriptures. Jesus took a good, hard look at the world around him, and boldly spoke out about ways that human structures fell short and even thwarted God's vision for our world. He spoke out and he taught his followers alternative ways to be, and Jesus walked his talk, eating with women and gentiles and sinners. There is still more to this Jesus guy than what you've heard today, more than what you heard last week and today put together. And I hope all of this gets you thinking and talking about who Jesus is to you. As I said last week, my hope is that the bit you hear whets your appetite for more, maybe sends you back to study the Gospels or to find other ways to study Jesus. In the face of competing and conflicting understandings of Jesus today, I want to be able to say who Jesus Christ is to me and why I call myself a follower of Jesus. And I want you to be able to confidently explain who Jesus Christ is to you, and why you call yourself a follower of Jesus. May each one of us here boldly claim a faith that can shape our lives and make a difference in the world. Amen.